Blog Talk Radio. And now you're listening to the Green Zone on Blog Talk Radio. And here's your host, Julian Carter. Here we go. Go, go, go. Everybody, let's hear it for New York. Welcome to another fantastic episode of The Green Zone. This is your host for today, Dennis Agapito, the main host, Mr. Julian Carter, always out trying to promote the brand. I will be filling in for him today. Just want to give you some quick information on how to keep in touch with the show. And the best way to do that is to just contact us via Twitter. If you're on Twitter, please give us a follow or drop us a note. Tell us what you think of the show, what you like, what you dislike. The Twitter handle is at Green Zone Radio. So, of course, we have another week of NFL football in the books, week seven. We are heading into week eight, and our New York Jets sit at four and two. Obviously, one week they had a bye. Some other teams are uh, one game ahead as far as having played. They'll catch up soon enough. And we'll all be even Steven as far as the number of games played and who is, had had their bye week. But obviously last week was um, the biggest game of the year for the Jets. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Going up to a tough place to play, a team that's had a lot of success in their home field, we knew it was going to be a challenge. We all knew it was going to be a challenge. Um, you know, they've dominated the division. I don't even want to say their names. So probably will slip a few times and say it just because. But um, I think like most Jets fans, myself included, we're just kind of tired of it. It's been, it's been 15 years now. I mean, it's been forever, for the most part, that we've watched this team win the division, number one seeds, make it to Super Bowls, pulled out the last one by, by the skin of their teeth, all the stuff that surrounds them, the spy stuff, the deflate stuff, all the things, you know, makes you despise them even more. But of course, they just keep on winning. So what do their fans care? I know if the Jets were 6-0 and right now, I'd be tooting my horn as well. But the Jets went up there. I have heard this from a lot of fans. I've heard this on the radio. And I have to say, I, I kind of I take a different view of it. And and last week I did say that if they played a competitive game and just lost, hey, look, you tip your cap. But I, I have some concerns about this game that maybe some other people don't. I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, you know, we, we played well, we played tough, and, you know, we, we lost, so it's okay. We'll, we'll get them next time they come. Or, or uh, we, we proved something by going up there and playing a competitive game. And I don't want to say that it wasn't a competitive game, because it was for the most part, but I have several several concerns coming out of this game. First of all, let's face it: the Jets are built in a manner to beat this team more than anybody else. They are they were built this year 
the way they built the team. They went out, they had money to spend, and where did they spend a majority of their resources? In their secondary. Why did they do that? Well, people say, well, they need help in the secondary. Okay. But who do they have to face twice a year who's dominated the division? That team from up north. The team that, that is a pass-heavy team. Let's face it. They're a pass-heavy team. They rely more on the pass for their offensive success than they do the run. Doesn't mean they can't run the ball, but more times than not, you'll see a higher percentage of passing. And they do have that guy who's, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's a cheater or not, he's still an elite quarterback, even at his age. He's still going to the Hall of Fame. And until he shows signs, maybe like Peyton Manning is kind of starting to show some cracks, his age is finally starting to show through. You're starting to see a little bit of the, a little bit, a lot, a lot of the decline in his play. He's not the guy he was, even last year or the year before. You're starting to see it. Well, we haven't really seen that with Tom Brady yet. He says he's going to play another 10 years. Well, I hope not. But, you know, until we see that actually happening, we know that he's a top quarterback in the league. So what concerned me about this game was not only did the Jets go out and build the team basically to beat them, okay, not just go up and play competitive, which I'm going to get into a minute, about why I don't feel this was as competitive as a lot of people think. But to go up and beat them, to take the crown away from them, to say, so to stop letting them stomp on us, and we're going to stomp on you, and we're, not going, to, we're going to take away the thing that you do best. We're going to take the pass away from you, and you're not going to be able to throw. You know, they don't have murderers row of receivers, right? Who's the, who, who's the Brandon Marshall on, on, on New England? Now, they have Gronkowski, but he's a tight end. I'm talking about wide receivers. Who's, who's the Brandon Marshall? Where, where is he? Where's the A.J. Green? I don't see him. Is it Brandon LaButterfingers? Is that who you're saying is, is the number one receiver? The guy dropped more passes than I think he caught. If he had to drop so many passes, I don't even know if this game would have been halfway, even anywhere near close. What about Julian Edelman dropping a touchdown pass? You know, quickly before we get into that, you know, people have been talking about Brandon Marshall and, and the quote-unquote drop that he had by the end zone. And yeah, that's a catchable ball for Brandon Marshall, someone of his abilities. Okay, but it's also a ball you'll see missed. He had a spin and tried to make a quick, quick catch. He dropped it. Drops happen. Okay, but you want to call it even with Julian Edelman dropping a pass as he's heading into the end zone, or with all the the the, the drops that uh, Brandon LaFailure had? I mean, again, if they don't have these drops, I don't even know if this game is even that close. Now the other thing is this: is that New England. If, if there were ever a chance for them to be ripe for a beating at home, it was this game. I mean, let, let's take a look at it. I mean, here's their offensive line, starting from right, going to left. Okay, you have Cameron Fleming. Guy started three games in his career. He's a second-year player. He was been released by the Patriots, signed the practice squad, and called up. Okay? Trey Mason, a rookie, playing right guard. David Andrews, a rookie, undrafted rookie center. Okay? The regular center, Brian Stork, has been out for the entire year. He's on injured reserve designated for return. So he hasn't even played. So they've been playing the whole year with an undrafted rookie at center. Josh Klein played left guard. And probably a guy you heard of, they moved from right tackle to left tackle, Sebastian Vollmer. Not exactly the Dallas Cowboys line right there, folks. 
So, you know, you looked at this game and you said, New England, they're 20th against the rush. Plays right into our hands. And I know Chris Ivory wasn't Chris Ivory. He was a little banged up. But you know what? When, when you play a game against the Patriots and you only, you only, your, your lead rusher only has 41 yards, we got a problem. I got a problem with that. Okay? When your quarterback is your second leading rusher, I got a problem with that, especially against a defense that's not so good against the rush. All right? So here, here's what bothered me about kind of the first half. But the Jets, I thought, controlled the ball and had a lot of things in their favor, time, possession, things like that. They were losing. They had all these things in their favor, and they were losing. And, you, and I didn't feel good because you know why? Because I saw the game plan by New England. The game plan was to take out Brandon Marshall, which they did for the most part, and, and take out Chris Ivory, which they did. And I know he was banged up, but that's the two things they wanted to kind of accomplish. Slow the running game down and take away Brandon Marshall. You know what, Ryan? Beat me with Eric Decker. Beat me with Chris Owusu, who, who, by the way, is now in concussion protocol. And this could be the end of his career. And we had discussed this earlier in the year about Chris. And it's unfortunate that, that this might be the last one. Because Chris has a history of concussions. And now he has another one. And he had one earlier in training camp. This could be the end of Chris Owusu's career. And I'm very sad to say that because I haven't had a chance to meet him. He's a fine young man, and I hope it's not. But you know what? He's had a number of head injuries, and this is getting very concerning as far as head injuries. But, you know, Jeremy Curley, he made a couple of appearances in this game. I don't know. He disappeared later. I don't know whether they didn't have him out there. So, I mean, they, they said, beat us with your other guys. We'll give you them. It's like Decker had a big game, and, and Decker did have a good game. Okay? Decker had 94 yards receiving. Fitzpatrick threw 39 passes. He didn't play terrible. Two touchdowns, 295 yards, but they still lost. And, you know, and they, should have, they, should have lost by, they should have lost by more, quite frankly. And here was the thing that bothered me. Again, the Jets are built to beat this team. The Jets are built to beat them. The defense, the number one defense in the league, is going up against them with this, ex- ex- this defensive-minded coach, Todd Bowles. I mean, he did a great job in Arizona with the defense there. Great job. Came in. You saw the pressure, blitz pressures. You saw those kind of things. Okay? Now, the Patriots, they didn't even kid themselves. They said, with our line, we're not going to be able to run the ball an inch. I mean, Tom Brady was a leading rusher with 15 yards. They only rushed the ball nine, nine times. Right? Logarit Blunt only had three carries. The, the Patriots were exactly what the Jets wanted them to be. One-dimensional. You didn't even have to call a run defense. You didn't have to put one down in the box. You didn't have to worry about any of that. It was strictly pass. Pass defenses. With a, with a busted offensive line. A makeshift offensive line. You know, take, I know Nick Mangle got banged up, but maybe he won't play in Oakland. But take him out of that game. Take the Brickashaw Ferguson out of that game. And take another player out of that game. Put two rookies in there. Put Dakota Dozier at center. Put Ben Aizelon at left tackle. And put, you know, put Jarvis Harrison at right guard. How do you think you're going to do? And in the second half, what happened to the Jets' pass rush? It completely disappeared. Completely. The first half, they got some pressure. They got some sacks. Completely disappeared. Brady had all day. All day to throw the ball. Doesn't matter how great your secondary is. You give, you give an average quarterback time to throw the ball, and you're blitzing. He will pick you apart. And that's what happened. Here's another thing that concerns me a lot. Because the stars were aligning for the Jets. They, they had guys out left and right. They had Deion Lewis. 
Deion Lewis is the number one pass receiving threat out of the backfield, out of the game. You know, the Jets have had some issues, Darren Sproles kind of thing. That's, an, that's one of the matchups the teams are looking to exploit. Well, they had James White catching balls out of the backfield, not, not Deion Lewis, the guy they would, would have liked to have had. Marcus Cannon, again, the backup to the left tackle is out for the year, Nate Solder. He was out. The backup to the, the, the backup left tackle was outside of the backup to the backup. Jabal Sheard. Jabal Sheard is a, is a pass rushing specialist. He was out of this game. So I don't want to hear about, well, Chris Ivory was banged up and this and that. The Patriots have a mass unit walking out there. That's what they have. And they're one-dimensional. And in the second half, you can't get any pressure. And here's what, here's what bothered me. Todd Bowles got outcoached in this game. Completely 100. You know what? Shane Gailey, Casey Rogers, Todd Bowles got outcoached by Matt Patricia, Joshua Daniels, and Bill Belichick. Plain and simple. Outcoached. There's no denying that. And that bothers me. Because Todd Bowles hasn't really been in too many situations down the end there where he needed to kind of work the clock. Right? He's been fortunate that he's had a lead or he hasn't really had to worry about that too much. But he got outcoached in this game. His adjustments, they weren't good enough. And let, me, and let me just say this one thing that bothered me the most. And it's been brought up, but I want to bring it up again. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm just I – when I was watching the game, I was absolutely appalled. And the announcers were saying the same thing. Right after the two-minute warning, New England has the ball on the Jets' 22-yard line. Okay? So this clock has stopped at two minutes. So they throw a seven-yard pass to Amendola. So now it's second and, second and three. Now remember, there's two minutes left. I mean, under two minutes. There's no more two-minute warning. That, that, that stopped the clock. So now the Jets have their three timeouts. They don't call timeout there. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, you have three timeouts. You have to use them now. You can't let the clock run. They're going to run the clock out. So they let the clock run, and then they throw the touchdown to Gronkowski on second and three. And then the rest is history. You know, we get the field goal. We kind of make it tight. We never get a chance to take a shot down the field to get the touchdown. It was basically over there. Yeah, they, they kind of made it interesting towards the end, the Jets. Give them credit for not quitting. But my question is still this. Look, Todd Bowles gave an explanation that, well, we were trying to stop. We had to stop them. And I understand that. And you're right. You had to stop them. And not using your timeouts up to that point, fine. I don't have a problem with it. But once that – Coming out of the two-minute warning, the first play, you, you had no choice but to use your timeouts. You know, if you don't stop them, you're not winning anyway. Your only chance to win, because they're in field goal range, hold them there on those three sets of downs, hold them, let them kick a field goal, and leave enough time on the clock for your offense to go down the field and score a touchdown to win you the game, because they only would have been up by six. Right? They only would have been up by six. They would have been up 26 to 20 if they kicked a field goal there. So that was your hope. Here's the thing. You know this. On defense, unless they throw a pass or something, you can't stop the clock if it's running unless you use a timeout. That's the only way you can stop the clock. And you can't put time back on the clock. So you need time to go get a touchdown. On offense, you can stop the clock a variety of ways. A missed pass is a stop the clock. Run out of bounds, you stop the clock. Clock the ball, you stop the clock. So it's much easier on offense to stop the clock than it is on defense. The only real mechanism you have is to use your timeouts. I thought that was terrible clock management. 
And that concerns me because you're not going to tell me that every single game the Jets play, they're not going to be in position when they need their timeouts or they need to use them in an effective manner. And they didn't there. All right? So that, that, really, that really kind of balded me. That scenario right there really, really balded me. That was a mistake. I don't care. You can explain it seven ways to Sunday. He should have called timeout after the first play coming out of the two-minute warning. You should have called timeout. So what? It was second and three. You know what? You got to line up there and stop him two more times and hold him to a field goal. That was a major mistake, and he can try to explain it away and say, well, we won. No. No, that's a mistake. That, you would reach the point of no return. You can't take your timeouts with you. Use them there. Save the clock. Hope they kick a field goal. Go down and score a touchdown and win the game. You know, it's funny, too, because I got to bring this up. And again, a lot of people are saying, well, look, a moral victory. I don't think there are any, there's a moral victory here. And, and look, I, I'm not panicking or losing my mind or saying that's it, they're done or whatever. I just noticed some concerns here because Belichick implemented a plan, which is now going to be copied. You can't tell me the other teams aren't going to try to copy the recipe for how to stop the Jets offense, at least slow them down. New England does not have a dynamic defense. They're good. They're not dynamic. They can get after the quarterback. That's one of the things that they can do. And they did twice. Okay, but I mean the thing—the thing that bothered me here, besides besides the clock management, is people saying, "Well, well, that was a good game." Let's go back in time. Let's go back to 2014, October 16th, the Thursday night game. Jets lost the game in New England, 27 to 25. They missed a two-point conversion that would have made it 27-27, and they had a 58-yard field goal. Now, 58-yard field goal is a long field goal, tough to make, but that would have won them the game. I, I didn't really take any moral victories out of that. You're, last year, the Jets only lost to the Patriots by a combined three points. They played them in MetLife Stadium. They only lost by one. People are saying, well, when they come to MetLife, we'll get them. Well, how do you know they're not going to be healthier then? Maybe they get a couple guys back. Maybe they're better. I don't know. You've know, you got to take advantage of your opportunities when you get them. When you played the Washington Redskins and they were down six starters, the best of Washington Redskins, they got Kirk Cousins. You tried in the first half to give them the game, but you came back and you played a dominant second half. You played much better against a team that was depleted, a team that you were obviously better than. Talent-wise, you're at home. They're depleted. Give Washington the credit, all the credit in the world for coming back for 24 points down last week and, making a, and, and winning that game, keeping themselves relevant in a very poor NFC East. But don't tell me that, this is, that you look at this and say, yeah, okay, I'm happy, because I'm not happy. And I'm not saying that it, just because they lost the game. Maybe they would have won the game, and I still wouldn't have been happy. I'm upset about certain things that concern me regarding this team, certain things that concern me. That would be the way the Patriots schemed the Jets on offense, the Jets' offense. You know, the Jets put up 23 points. You say that's pretty good. They moved the ball. Maybe Marshall makes his catch. Maybe this, maybe that. Look, there are a lot of maybes. The bottom line is the Patriots – are bad on, on defense against the run, the Jets couldn't run the ball against them, okay? They gave up about the amount of points they normally give up, and the Jets couldn't stop their passing game. They couldn't stop their passing game when they knew they were going to pass it. They knew they were going to throw the ball, and they still couldn't stop them. That bothers me. That concerns me moving forward. Because don't think it's just going to be a walk in the park because you're looking at the Oakland Raiders next week or you're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars or whatever team you're looking at. We all know games are tough in this league. And it's going to come down to there's going to be some games where something's not flowing right. 
And maybe you need your coaches to step up, call the timeout in the right spot. I mean, this was what got Rex canned, right? This is what people were tired of with Rex. He didn't use his time management correctly. Well, right now, in, in the one instance where I've seen Todd Bowles, where I thought, okay, this is where you really got to make some decisions down the stretch of a game and, and really be on point. Well, he wasn't. And don't tell me that he was because he wasn't. And you know what? He can explain it as much as he, as much as he want, wants, but I'm not buying it. Okay? So he was out coaching that game. And I know Belichick is Belichick. But you know what? When, when do we get a Belichick? When does our, our guy Belichick Belichick? That's what I want to know. What we're looking for? Isn't that what we're looking for? We're all tired of watching this team be on the top of the division. You know what? Right now, they're going to they're probably going to be on one seed. I don't think Denver's all that. Cincinnati? Eh, we'll see. You know, again, Andy Dalton? We'll see. Maybe the trip to, again, the AFC goes to Foxborough again. Maybe. And here's something else I want to point out quickly, and then we'll kind of move on a little bit. Um, you know what? I hate to say it, that New England, they're, 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 they're still an elite team. They have an elite quarterback. They can beat you a lot of different ways. They're still an elite team. The Jets are not an elite team yet. They're not. They have some talent. Yes, they have talent. They are not an elite team in this league. Okay? There are – Maybe right now you could only say two elite teams in this league. I would say two that you really say. Maybe you want to say there's a couple of 1As just underneath them. Usually in the NFL, there's three or four elite teams, three or four, right? Maybe Dallas could have been one of those elite teams if they were healthier. You know, the Cincinnati elite team, eh, you look at Andy Dolan. But let's say there's three that you would throw in there. And there's three or four dregs, just terrible teams, terrible, horrible. Everybody else kind of falls in the middle. Now, you want to, you want to break it up into A, B, C, and D? like eight teams divided up, I think the Jets are at the top of the B list. So do they have a shot to make the playoffs? Definitely. Definitely. But they don't have elite talent just yet. And that, that game proved it to me right there that I don't think New England played a great game. They had dropped passes. They don't think they played a great game. But you know what? They implemented their game plan, and they still won. So you know, that, that does concern me that if they are able to get a little healthier – and they are able to maybe get their line in shape and run the ball against us and do some things like they normally would do, that this wouldn't even have been close. This wouldn't have even have been close. Another thing that's kind of concerning me a little bit is, again, two things. One, I watched Chris Johnson run for like 125 yards the other night. Chris Johnson was on the Jets, and um, the Jets decided to let him go. He was on the contract. The Jets could have kept him. They decided to let him go. They decided to bring in Stephen Ridley. And, um, you know, you got a couple guys banged up here. You got Ivory's a little banged up. He was banged up in the game. So wouldn't it have been nice? Wouldn't have been nice if you had Chris Johnson to kind of fall back on? No offense to Zach Stacy. I like Zach. Zach's a nice little piece. Does, does a lot of things. He's a role player, though. He's a role player. He only averages 2.8 yards per rush. He does the kickoff returns. He'll catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got seven receptions. He's a nice, there are a lot of Zach Stacey's in the league. He's a, he's a nice role player. That's what he is. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if the Jets had had Chris Johnson in that game to cover for Chris Ivory, a guy who runs hard, who tends to maybe get dinged up? Steven Ridley is nowhere to be found. Well, because he's still hurt. The Jets knew he was hurt. He had a knee injury when they signed him. Maybe that was a mistake there. Maybe that was a mistake. 
I guess time will tell. If Ridley comes back, he's able to produce, able to be a fill-in for Ivory if he's banged up, if he's not having a great game, okay. But right now, it's not looking like the smartest maneuver in the world. The other thing I want to talk about a little bit before we get into what's going on with the things around the league is um, earlier on this year, I heard a lot about Mike McCagney and his draft. About you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't turn on the TV or li- how great how great his draft was. What a great draft! Great, the the best draft in the history of drafting. Well, I, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering what what players really had a major impact that he drafted. I mean, I think Leonard Williams has done a nice job. Don't get me wrong. He's been solid. He's been good. But I don't see him. I don't, can you name me an impact play that he's made where you went, wow? I mean, does he have a bright future? Sure. But he was the sixth overall pick. Everyone, when he was picked, everyone was you know, singing the praises like, like, like it was J.J. Walker to run on the field and have 20 sacks. He's got half a sack this year. He's got 21 tackles. Six, six tackles, 15 assists. I'm not saying he's been bad, but who else? In his, is it Devin Smith, the second-round pick? He's got six receptions this year. I know, he's, I know he was banged up early. I know he was. What's he going to end the year with, 20? 20 receptions Two point, for 200 yards? That's probably what he's going to end the year with, something like that. I don't expect much more out of him. Now, look, he's a developmental player. Maybe he gets better. But the way people were talking about him was, wow, you know, this guy's going to be electric, amazing. I haven't seen it yet. Is it Fitzpatrick because he just can't get the ball down to him? Is he just needs time to develop? Maybe he'll end up being a great player. But thus far, he hasn't lived up to the hype. What about Lorenzo Molden? Okay? He was the third-round pick. Four tackles. That's it. Four tackles. So, you know, this draft class isn't exactly lighting the world on fire. By the way, Bryce Petty hasn't played. Jarvis Harrison hasn't played. And Deion Simon is off the team. Oh, okay. They traded for Javier Posey, who they caught. And Zach Stacy, who I mentioned, has done what he's done. They traded a seventh-round pick for him. He's been very serviceable in the role he's been asked to play. But dude, my concern is this, is that you look at the Houston Texans right now. They're a bad team. And this is the, this is the organization Mike McCadden came from. All right, 2013, they were the worst team in the league. The worst team in the league. And they had the number one pick, Javadian Clowney, who hasn't done much. And now they're, they're, they're a bad team again this year. Usually you pick a GM from, a, from an organization that has some history of success. And at that point in time, the Houston Texans are not had a history of success. And look at some of their drafts. I mean, my opinion of the Jets is, look, this year, this year is this year, but the Jets are all in. Let's face it. The Jets went all in. They stuck all their resources in. They didn't take a, a okay, we'll use some resources and you'll do – they didn't take a slow and steady approach. They, they took an all-in approach, a short-window approach. A lot of veteran guys who are older, who are on the wrong side of 30, that's the approach they took. And you say, so far, they're 4-2, and two, Dennis, and they have a very good chance to make the playoffs. Great. That's great. But you know what? That window is going to close quickly, and the way you keep that window open or even open it wider is with younger players, developing them, bringing them up through the draft. And that's up to Mike McCagnan and his staff. And so far, do you have confidence in the six people that he drafted that they're going to really be contributors to this team? I guess time will tell. Because that's where the rubber is going to meet the road here, folks, for this team. Because I don't think this is an elite team right now. I don't think this is a championship caliber team, unfortunately. I wish I did. I think they have some nice pieces in place. I think they have some nice pieces. 
I think they have some things to build on, but I think that the best days lie in its future. And Mike McCann is a scout. And people wanted a scout in here. That's what they wanted. They didn't want an Idzik or a Tannenbaum. They didn't want a bean counter or a guy who was contract. They wanted a scout. They wanted somebody who understood talent, knew how to cultivate talent, and could, and could bring in and build a championship caliber team. That's what they wanted, and that's what you got. So they had money to spend. They spent the money. They went out, and they, they put a lot of resources into this team. And moving forward, they're not going to be able to do the same things in the future that they did this year. And that's fine. That doesn't mean you can't be successful because you very much can. But you're going to need to develop younger players. As some of these older guys move on, you're going to have to have these younger guys behind them ready to play. I mean, I'm watching Josh Norman the other night, a fifth-round pick out of Carolina Coastal. He's the best cornerback in the league. Sorry, Darrell Rivas. He's also making $14.5 million less than you, and he's 27. He's the best cornerback in the league right now, Josh Norman a fifth-round pick in 2012 that they let develop. Again, this is what we need to see. This is what we need to see eventually down the road. Now let's go back, let's go back to this season because I'm, I'm not trying to say the Jets can't make the playoffs this year. They can. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying one loss. But my concerns are valid about can the Jets go to an elite team with an elite coach and win? Can they do that? And right now, I think the answer is no. This game, people say, well, they should have won. And I think they could have won it. They could have, but they didn't for a lot of different reasons. But mostly because New England schemed the defense to slow us down, stop our running game, stop our number one weapon in the passing game. That's what they did. And secondly, they threw the ball on us. When, when we knew they were going to throw the ball on us, everybody knew Tom Brady was dropping back to throw the ball. Stop them. What did you spend all this money on your secondary for? So Danny Amendola can beat you? That's why? I know Gronkowski is Gronkowski. I know he is. All right? But, you know, when you leave him wide open on the 10-yard line, I think he's going to score a touchdown. I don't care if it's Gronkowski or Scott Chandler or anybody. So a lot of things in this game concern me because it's a copycat league. And I said this before. It's a copycat league. Other teams are going are gonna to look at that and say, hmm, here's where they were successful. This is what we're going to do. And the Jets, with their great front, with their blitz schemes, couldn't beat a makeshift line. That bothers me. That bothers me, and that concerns me. Because if you want to win a championship, and that's all we want to do, unfortunately, the road is probably going to go through Foxborough. And we still have a long way to go in this season. Ten games is a long season. It's long. And things could definitely change. The New England could, could get worse. The Jets could get better. But that's where we need to see progress. We need to see this team grow and get better. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the Jets. Look, they played a bang at Washington team. They beat them. They played a team in the Miami Dolphins. Let's get into this right now. The Miami Dolphins about four weeks ago in London. And right after that, they fired their coach. Now, now they've won two in a row. And they've beaten some bad teams. Tennessee, and Houston. I'll be the first to admit they're not good teams. But they didn't just beat them. They obliterated them. They went out and they made a statement. I mean, Dan Campbell has them playing some good ball. More like the ball you would expect them to play in the beginning of the year. And I'm glad the Jets don't have to play them in London this week. Because they'd be facing a much tougher team than the team they faced in London that mailed it in and said, bye, Joe Philbin. And Dan Campbell has come in with a, with a different attitude and said, look, I'm an interim coach. You know what? 
I'm, I'm not going to be the coach here probably next year. Stephen Ross, the owner, he wants a big-name coach, not me. So you know what? I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make you guys do drills. Oklahoma's hit each other. You're not going to like me, but I don't care. I'm trying to set myself up for a future gig. And if I can turn this around and make you relevant again, I'm going to just do that. And you know what? They're 3-3 three and three right now. Now, I know they're going up to Foxborough, but they've had some success against the Patriots. They've had some success. I mean, they're going to win? I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what kind of game they play against a depleted line. It's such a short turnaround. It's going to be a lot of the same injuries. We'll see what kind of game they play. But you know, them in Buffalo, and I know Buffalo lost to Jacksonville, but here's my thing, and I look at it like this. If the, if, if the New England ends up winning the division again, and so long enough that they got, that could change, but let's just make an assumption. You're going to be looking at a wild card. And who are the teams in the AFC right now that concern you for a wild card? Well, Pittsburgh, they're 4-3. and three. They've been out Roethlisberger. If they get Roethlisberger back, I think Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, both of them, I, don't, I wouldn't put it past Cincinnati not to win the division, even though they're 6-0. and you know, They just they have a habit of you know, fading down the stretch. We'll see. I think that Cincinnati and Pittsburgh both get in. That's what I think. I think two come out of the north. The other two are going to come out of the east or the west. This is why this game against the Oakland Raiders, a much improved Oakland Raiders team, by the way, is so important. Now, if if o- the Oakland was coming to MetLife this week at 1 o'clock, I would uh, put the mortgage on the Jets beating them. Oakland's come out here a few times the last several years, and the Jets have you know, handed, handed a beating to them. They've, 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 they've really come out and pounced on them. But this is a different Oakland Raiders team. They're better. All right? They're 3-3 three and three right now. Are they great? No. And they're certainly moving in the right direction. They've got a young quarterback in, in Derek Carr. He's got a quarterback rating of 101. 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. Not bad. They have a decent running back in Latavius Murray when he doesn't put the ball on the ground. They have some weapons. Amari Cooper, the rookie. 33 receptions, 519 yards, three touchdowns. And uh, Michael Crabtree, another guy I want you to keep an eye on in this game. Guy always seems to hurt the Jets for some reason. Marcel Reese, he's a fullback. More of a pass-casting threat at 17 receptions out of the backfield. But I remember a couple of years ago, came to MetLife and, and rushed the ball real well. Kind of a bigger back, not quite as fast. But for some reason, had tremendous success, success against the Jets. And uh, wouldn't be a surprise to see him get a few touches out of the backfield, whether it's short passes or actually getting the ball handed off to him. So I would watch him. They're plus two in turnovers. Look, they're three and three. The Jets are four and two. You think Oakland doesn't want to make the playoffs? They win this game. They're four and three. They're right in the thick of it. They're right in the thick of it. If the Jets win, they go to five and two, and they come for a home game against Jacksonville. They could easily be six and two at the halfway point. I think we'll all sign up for that right now. Six and two. If they lose this game, hey, they're back to the pack. Doesn't mean they can't make it, but they're coming back to the pack. And then it's going to be whatever happens in Jacksonville, and then it's going to be the last eight games. I said this before, and I'll say it again. If you're not a contender in September and October, you're not a contender. If you're 2-6 and six and 1-7, and seven, you're nothing. If you're 4-4, four and four, even if you're 3-5, and five, there's, there's some two-win team out there right now. Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs are them. I don't know. There's some two-win team out there. Maybe it's the San Diego Chargers. Somebody's going to make a run and make themselves relevant again. Is it the Buffalo Bills that are a three-win team? Are the Bills going to make a run and make themselves relevant when they play on that Thursday night and they're going to win that game? Again, just because you look at some teams and say, well, we're ahead of these teams, that's great. That's great. But this is going to get tight, folks. This is going to get tight. 
And this is what I'm talking about. If you make mistakes as a coaching staff, if you're, if you're flat, I think we're all worried about this Oakland game for this reason. The Jets just went, played a very emotional, tough road game up, up in Foxborough. And now they got it. Now it's back-to-back road games, which is hard for any, any team in the NFL to win back-to-back road games. It's tough. You know, they had to go up to Foxborough, go up there, play a game, come back, come home, get this, and then fly all the way out to, the, to, to, to Oakland to play a game. Oakland, by the way, who won three games last year, all three of them were at home. Not, a, not an easy place to play. A 3-13 and 13 team won their three games at home last year. They beat some decent teams. They beat the 49ers when they were in the playoff race. They beat the Bills when they were in the playoff race. So, you know, going to the black hole is not fun. It's not going to be fun. It's certainly not going to be easy, and you worry about the hangover. Because I know I'm worried about it. Fatigue can set in. It can. And the Jets have a couple, couple of guys banged up here. Why don't we go through that and look at that a little bit. You know, Willie Colon, he's still dealing with that knee. Uh, Eric Decker dealing with the knee. Chris Wusu, which I think it will be out, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, Blah Powell's dealing with the ankle. Calvin Pryor dealing with the ankle. And uh, the, the most important one here is Nick Mangold. I guess we'll get some more information to, uh, on him later in the week. We know that the, the um, x-rays and scans came back negative. That's good. Um, you know what? I think Jeff fans are a little spoiled by the fact that their offensive line, for the most part, for years, not just this year, but for many years, has for the most part been intact. I mean, DeBrickishaw Ferguson got drafted in 2006. He's never missed a start. I don't even know if he's missed a play. I don't remember. Maybe once, once or twice he missed a play. I mean, I mean, who, how many teams have that? Look around the league. I mean, again, look at the Patriots. Their left tackle out for the year. Their center has been out for the whole year. Their center has been out for the whole year. Hasn't played one game. Take Nick Mangold out so far and bring him back in week, uh, maybe week nine or ten. That's what they're looking at. And now their left tackle is out for the year. And then the replacement went out. I mean, the Jets have been Jeff fans have been spoiled by the fact that their offensive line remained relatively healthy. A couple of things here or there, Brian Winters, this and that. I know Cologne. I mean, this year when Cologne was out, when Winters played, Winters played pretty well. So now you, you're, you're looking at you're looking at something here. I know they signed Wesley Johnson. I guess Dakota Dozier would be the starter, his first start. If Nick can't go, I mean, if Nick can go, that's great. I just hope he's 100%. He may not be. The other thing about the Oakland Raiders. In this game, let's just finish up to the Buster Screens dealing with a shoulder. He was limited in practice. Devin Smith dealing with an ankle. A couple other guys, nothing uh, too serious. They they released Steve Weatherford. Uh, Quigley will be punting again. You know, kind of an odd thing there. They had to sign Weatherford. They put Jaquan Jarrett on injured reserve, so he's done for the year. He might get a settlement, who knows? But he he he's pretty much done. Um, so one thing about the Oakland Raiders is their defense. One thing about their defense is. They're pretty good against the run. They're only giving up, they're only giving up about 85 yards per game, the third against the rush. But they're terrible against the pass. They're the worst in the league against the pass. That's their defense. Their offense is pretty good. They're 10th in scoring points. They score 24 points per game, 18th in yards. Uh, they don't rush the ball too well, 23rd under 100 yards. Throw the ball for about 250 per game, something like that. So, you know, again, a team that kind of likes to throw the ball, but their line isn't as banged up as, as – Patriots line. I think they'll try to be a little bit more balanced. So you think you got to, you can't just play straight out pass against them. But the thing that concerns me on their defense is they're good against the run. And the Jets are going to try to establish the run against them. 
Now, if Ivory is still hurt or dinged up, and if Powell is dinged up, you know, who's going who's gonna to be – is Zach Stacey going to be able to step up and carry the load? So while they do have a poor death, a pass defense, um, if they're able to stop – if they're able to stop our running game with their front, front seven or their front four or whatever you want to call it, then it's going to put the ball in the hands of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, so far this year in the Jets' two losses, Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown the ball 58 times and 39 times. Now, I don't want to put the blame on Ryan Fitzpatrick for last week. I thought he played well. But you don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball 40 times. You know, the week before, he threw it 26 times, and they won. See, that's what you want. You want between 25 and 30 for Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's what you want. That's what you need. Also, the Jets, in the two games they've lost, they lost a turnover battle. They didn't lose a turnover battle against Washington. They were minus one. But they were able to pull that one out. But the two games they lost, they were minus one against the Patriots. I don't think it was a big determining factor. The fumble early did get them on the board. It did stop them from getting a touchdown, which was good. But, again, turnovers are going to be huge in this game. And my concern is if you're going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick throw the ball 40 or 45 times, the likelihood of him making a mistake goes up. That's why you love to run the ball. Not only does it keep the defense guessing, not only does it keep them on their heels, not only does it wear them down, not only does it eat clock, but it allows Ryan Fitzpatrick to be what he is, a game manager. It allows him to manage the game well. Because then a little, a little play action, or they don't know what's going on, and they think it's run, and he can throw those little slants and marshal, and maybe they're going to put the guy in the box, and now it opens up on the outside. That's what you want. That's what you like to see. So this is a big, big game. This is a big Earl earlier in the season. It's getting a little later to the point where you're starting to say, all right, there's enough separation here. We're kind of starting to see who the contenders are, who the pretenders are. Maybe after a few games, some guys will definitely fall by the wayside. You can say they're out. You can say these teams are probably going to win their division and be in. These guys are in the hunt. That kind of thing pops up around this time. That's what pops up. And this game could be, I mean, it could be the difference. It could be. What if the Raiders win nine games and the Jets win nine games and they had the tiebreaker? It's a conference game. It's a head-to-head game. What if that last wild card spot comes down to two teams, them and the Jets? This is a huge game. It's huge. It's huge. Last week was a huge game, too, because if the Jets had won that game, they would be playing with house money. The division would definitely be in play. And I'm not saying the division is completely out of play. It's going to be very hard. You know it's an uphill climb now. It's an uphill climb to try to win in the division, being two games behind, excuse me, New England. It's going to be an uphill climb to win that division. New England looks like they're on pace to win 12 or 13 games. I don't know if the Jets are that type of team yet. 12 or 13 win team in the league is an elite team. Okay? So I don't know if the Jets have that ability to win 12 or 13 games and get themselves back into it. So we'll see what happens there. Give it a few more weeks. Right now we kind of know where they're at. We know it's an uphill climb. Take a lot of things to kind of bounce right for them to ultimately win the division. Again, you got guys behind them that are kind of creeping up on them. They got to play Buffalo twice. They got to play Miami one more time. Going to be some difficult games there. I don't care where Buffalo is. You know, Rex is going to come in. He's going to want to try to win and prove something. So this is this is a this is an important game for both teams. For both teams, the Oakland Raiders have been irrelevant forever. We all know that. I mean, Reggie McKenzie, the GM. You want to talk about having a little patience? The GM. For the Raiders, Reggie McKenzie probably walked into his office the first day when he got the job a few years back and wanted to cry. I wouldn't blame him. I mean, he had some terrible contracts. I believe it was 2012, maybe, 2000. I can't remember the exact year, but they had about a $72 million payroll. 
because they had so much dead money. They only had on the field the people they were paying $72 million, and the rest of it was dead because he had to cut so many players. He had so many bad contracts. He said, I just got to eat this money and put this terrible product on the field. And they kind of cleared out their cap. They brought in some veterans, but they knew they were only going to keep them there for a short time while the younger, younger guys developed. And now that's kind of happening. You look at some of these. You know, I mean, Amari Cooper, he's been, very, he's been terrific, very dynamic. Khalil Mack, then the draft a year earlier, he's been very good. So he's vulnerable to the pass? Yes, definitely. Can the Jets win this game? Definitely they can win it. They can definitely win it. But they're going to have to play a very good game. This is not a team you just walk in and chalk up a W anymore, especially in their place. This is a team that is in the conversation for the playoffs. They're in the conversation. And this game will go a long way to either keeping them in the conversation or pushing them towards the back end of the conversation. I would love nothing more than the Jets to wash away that Patriots game as far as the loss. Come back 5-2, and two, going to Jacksonville at home. The game against a Jacksonville team, that's probably better than a record says. That's improving. Got a young quarterback, maybe still needs a little more pieces, but is improving. But again, Jacksonville at home, I'll take my chances with that one. Come back five and two, I'll take my chances. I'll put the money up, we'll go in six and two. And halfway through the season of six and two, I think we'll all be very happy. They'll be in great shape to make a playoff push down the stretch. Great shape. That's why this game is so important. That's why this game is so important. You don't want to come into that game against Jacksonville with a two-game losing streak. You just don't want to. This, this is why this portion of the schedule, and I looked at it early in the year, and I said, hey, back-to-back road games. Going out to Foxborough, then going out to Oakland, always a tough play. Remember last year they went out to San Diego and they really didn't play so well. I think the last time they played Oakland in Oakland, they lost. That wasn't the hot dog game. That was the game before that one, the hot dog game with, with Sanchez. And that was Sanchez's rookie year. They went back there later and lost. Maybe it was 2011. I'd have to double check that. So this is a big, big game. But I think what the Jets – here's what I'm going to look for for the most part is – do the Oakland Raiders try to duplicate what New England's defense did to the Jets? Do they try to duplicate that? And if they do, do the Jets have an answer? Do they have an answer? Because if they do, then you know what? Kudos to Todd Bowles. Kudos to Chain Gailey. Okay? Kudos to them. Because it isn't always when things aren't going uh, – when things are going well and things are that, – that's not a true test of a coach when things are going well. That's not the true test of your coach. The true test of your coach is when things kind of go south a little bit. Again, one loss isn't the end of the world. But you know what? There, there were some things in that game that they're going to look at and say, okay, they exploited us here, here, and here. we got to fix this. How do you come back? How do you respond? How do the coach's staff make, make adjustments in the next game to ensure that what happened in the last game doesn't happen again? And that's the true test of your coach. That's a true test of your team. Right? Because Oakland is fairly healthy. They're fairly healthy. They have a decent young quarterback. They have some decent talent. And they have a decent record. Nothing great, nothing spectacular. It's not the same level of talent that they just played. But you know what? Buyer beware here. Buyer beware. This is going to be a challenge for the Jets. This is going to be a challenge. And I want to see them come out and have an answer. Because I can guarantee you that Oakland's going to copy what New England did to them. I guarantee you they're going to put DJ Hayden on Brandon Marshall and put a safe, maybe Woodson, Charles Woodson. They're going to put the two of them on him all game long. That's what's going to happen. 
And they're going to say, we have a good run defense. We'll stop you with seven. We don't need to put one down in the box to stop you. Dan Williams, the old Cardinal, used to play for Todd Bowles. He's stuffing up the middle there, right? They paid him a lot of money. They paid him a lot of money to to stuff up the middle. They did lose Justin Tuck, which is a little bit of a loss for them. They did lose Justin Tuck. And Khalil Mack has – Malcolm Smith, the old Super Bowl MVP from the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He's the team leader in tackles, got three sacks as well. D.J. Hayden's having a, a pretty decent season, the cornerback. So, Woodson, they got the veteran at, at, at safety. Remember, he made a, a really nice interception last year on Geno Smith. People might laugh, say, well, Geno Smith, but he made a really nice interception. I mean, he came out of nowhere. The guy's 38. The guy's defying time. Okay? So, don't take this team lightly, I guess, is the bottom line. Don't take this team lightly. But I am going to make a prediction. I usually don't make predictions when I'm by myself. I usually like to make a prediction with Julian. I think the Jets bounce back and win this one. I think they bounce back and win it. And I think, it, 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 I think the reason why they win it is because of coaching. That's why. This is where the rubber meets the road, folks, with your coaching. How do you come off a disappointing road loss to a good team where there were some issues? And there were some issues in this game. How do you correct those issues? How do you get things back on track here for the, for the Jets to go home and then make that playoff push down the, last, the latter eight games of the season? This is, this is the game they're going to do it in. And um, we're going to make a prediction on the final score. It will be 27-17. to 17. I think the Jets win the turnover battle. I think they get the running game going at least enough that they can mix in the pass and run and exploit a poor pass defense. And they're going to win this game. They're going to come back to MetLife Stadium feeling good about themselves at 5-2. and two. We're going to feel a lot better. Again, my concern with what happened up north wasn't that they lost the game. It was the manner in which certain things that concern me have to go away. It has to go away. If they're playing a team that's one-dimensional, they can only throw the ball. They can't run the ball a lick. You've got to get after that quarterback. You can't let them just sit back there and pick you apart. You can't lose that game. You can't give up, you can't give up a fourth-quarter lead. You can't. Not to a team that has... Has, has, has no running game at all. None. None to speak of. Just can't do that. You can't not use your timeouts when you're supposed to. You just can't do that. This is a guy, he's only coached, what, five games now? Six games? Six games here, and three as an interim coach. Sometimes you live and learn. Let's see if he lived and learned from that, and he knows how to do things a little bit better. He knows how to make adjustments better for the next time he sees that particular situation. But I do believe that the Jets are going to come back 5-2. and two. I do believe it. And I do believe this team has talent. The one thing that concerns me about the team in general is that the short window of opportunity that they've given themselves. They, they, they haven't built with a long-term strategy. I mentioned this earlier. Let's use a little bit of money, bring in some free agents. Let's use our draft. Let's, bring a little, let's use a little bit more money. Teams like Titans or like Jacksonville or uh, I mean, like Green Bay ha- has a lot of money. I mean, let's, let's look in here. I mean, Green Bay, they're a championship caliber team. But, you know, Jacksonville, they have a lot of money, and people say, well, they, they stink. Well, maybe, the, you know, they have some young talent, and you know what? Next year, maybe they'll start spending some more money when they feel like, okay, now we can, we can plug in some experienced players and use our money, and our young players fill in the gaps, okay? Let's look at it. The Packers, they have, they have $10 million in cap space. Okay. The Miami Dolphins have $11 million. I say they're 3-3, three and three, but they're playing a lot better. Okay. The Raiders have $13 million in cap space. Again, they may not make the playoffs this year. 
but the, the Titans, let me take, let me take a few look at the Titans here. Again, they're not, they're not very good this year so far, but they're, they have $25 million in cap space, but they're grooming a young quarterback. And this is just, just my point. The Jets last year carried over about $13 million. And that's part of the reason why they were able to spend as they were this year, right now, according to, uh, the NFLPA records, they have about $2.7 million in cap space. They're not going to be carrying over a lot of cap space in the next year, so they're going to have to make some decisions as far as rosters and things like that, and they're not going to be able to go on a big spending spree. They have some guys set. They're going to have to let some guys walk. They're going to have to make decisions on who they're going to keep, and maybe some, some decisions are going to get tied on free agents. Maybe they're going to have to go a younger route. Maybe, but that's next year. You know, I just want to lay this out for people now so they understand, don't lose sight of the forest through the trees. It's great to have Darrell Revis, but next year he's costing you $17 million, and he will be 31. And I heard this on the radio. Somebody called in and said, uh, you know, Darrell Revis doesn't look like Darrell Revis from five years ago. Well, no, he doesn't. He's not. He's 30 now. doesn't mean that he can't play. He can. He's an excellent cornerback. He's an excellent player. I think he'll be an excellent player next year. But will he be as good as he was in 2010 ever again, 2009, 2010? No, that's for all the time, especially in football, especially in football. For all the time catches up with you quickly. So with that, uh, we just want to say we, we really appreciate all the listens and all the downloads, Julian and I. We'll have another great show for you next week. Prepare yourself for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have some great stuff coming up as well. We're going to try to get a little interactive, try to do some live shows again if we can. Um, just kind of this week, um, a little bit hectic for Julian doing some of the stuff that he's doing. So I kind of grabbed the reins here and laid out some stuff. I don't want people to, to I want to kind of leave everyone with this. I don't want people to think that I uh, being a Debbie downer or doomsday about the team. I think the team still has a very good chance of making the playoffs, but they got to get better as the season goes on. They got to get better and they got to prove one thing to all of us that they can beat the elite team that they're going to have to beat. If they're going to make it to a championship, that's what we want. To make the playoffs is great. If we make the playoffs and lose in the first round, hey, that 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 it's better than I guess not making the playoffs. But you kind of kind of like kissing your sister, I guess. If you want to score, like if you want to say that, we want to see progress of this team to say they can beat an elite team. They can go up to Foxborough, and this time they're going to beat them, and this time they're going to make the adjustments, and this time their game plan isn't going to be effective. That's what we want to see, and that's what I wanted to kind of point out here was that I felt early in the game that their game plan was effective. Even though things were tight, I felt like in the long run of this game, they're going to wear us down. They're going to ultimately win it, and that's what happened. Let's hope that Nick Mangold is healthy, uh, can play on Sunday. He's a warrior. He's been a guy who rarely misses games. Uh, you know, Antonio Cromartie was carted off the field earlier, earlier in the season, the first game. We all thought the worst. We thought, no way he's playing next week, and then boom, he's out there. So, Sometimes these guys bounce back. Glad that all the x-rays and stuff are negative. If he doesn't play, look, it's the next man up league. Dakota Dozier, if you're the guy, you know, step in there and prove that you're a professional player. I don't want to hear any excuses either. It's the next man up league. All teams have injuries. All teams have injuries. Step up. Play. Do a good job. Do what you're paid to do. You're paid to be a backup, to come in and be serviceable when the starter goes down. You're not as good as a starter. That's why you're a backup. It doesn't mean you can't put in a very serviceable performance, if needed. So I do believe the Jets are going to go out to the West Coast and win. I do believe they're going to come back 5-2. And, and they have a very good chance of going up against Jacksonville and going to 6-2. and two. We'll discuss that game more next week. But till then, for Julian Carter, 
This is Dennis Agapito. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter. It's at Green Zone Radio. We'll catch you next week for another exciting episode. And go Jets.